0: Hey, this episode of the Adventist Millennial Podcast is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. What's the and more? Well, you'll have to go to their website to find out, thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. It's finally here. We are back for the much-anticipated part two of the conglomerate mind music slash everything else episode in which the conversation devolves into a huge disagreement about whether we even need church at all so i hope you guys enjoy uh as always leave me your comments questions suggestions etc at abnismillennial at gmail.com or on facebook or instagram at sdamillennial and Or come over to our Slack channel, um, Adventist Millennials. Uh, You can find the link for that on my Facebook page or send me an email and I will send it to you. Um, There's a lot of side conversations going on there that are interesting. So, see you and enjoy part two. Okay, so we've talked about the fact that that Christian music today, that's created today, is not really very compelling or interesting, um, from an art, art perspective. Um, (laughs) and then you have, like, the classical composers, which a lot of them were, like, Bach was writing a lot of, like, corrals and, you know, Christian stuff, and that was, like, the mainstream music of the day, so can the classical composers be considered Christian, and are that is that negated, (laughs) Christian artists, and is that negated by the fact that they were, like, the rock stars of their day Mozart was like (laughs) I mean and why why isn't it that way anymore simply because we're in a post-religious society
1: I I think honestly a big part of it is that they got shoehorned into that position of being accepted as Christian music because there are no lyrics in a lot of the music or it's listened to without lyrics whereas today's music is not. Um, but
0: wasn't a lot of it like actually commissioned for the purpose of for from like the church and stuff? Yeah, like
1: a, a lot yeah, of yeah, classical yeah. music is sacred music. It is, it is. <coughs> but yeah, so what I'm saying is that it, some of it did exist and start as Christian music but even the stuff that didn't could be shoehorned into a christian's idea mm-hmm. of, of acceptable music and since um since that's the case it's i guess b- because people don't really listen to classical or baroque it's not mainstream anymore <laughs> so the only the only people who do are the people who are looking for something that's "Quote unquote" acceptable to listen to, and so that's why. Does that is yeah. that kind of answer to the question you were asking? Yeah, I guess. Well,
2: what I what I thought I heard you asking was, why is it that there were these composers that wrote sacred music that were considered mainstream musicians at that point in time, and now there really isn't anybody that breaks out of that.
0: Yeah, and they were the innovators bubble. of yeah. music at that time too. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I think you kind of were starting to scratch the surface of it when you asked, you know, if it's because we're in a post-Christian era. I think because uh, religion was such a an integral part of society at that point, it was it was pretty rare that you were going to find anybody that was outside of the religious system. So all of the people who were excellent musicians probably were going to be in church, and that was one of the main. Uh, exhibition arenas for music was church so that was kind of the best venue at the time Um, that would be oh, my the guess tables have turned. yeah
1: no I, I i agree with that a hundred percent and then the only thing that i would add to it is that um you didn't have back then the vast number of small independent churches that we have now you had things like the Catholic Church, which is a the huge organization, Church or the England. Church of England, yeah. yeah, and so and yeah, they they commissioned music from like big names because they had the resources to do that. Churches, in general, most churches do not, right? Hm.
2: Yeah, today, I mean, yeah, he just he he hit the nail on the head. Like most most local churches can't even afford to hire a worship pastor. You know, much less so. Now we commission. So any that's work. like
0: if Google started commissioning Christian music, because the Catholic Church was the corporate structure of that time.
1: Or, or if Google started their own church. Oh, <laughs>
0: perfect! <laughs> we'll just change the word from Google to God, and it will be, you know, a okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So, so what do you? I, I guess. So, I,
1: well, I was gonna say, I think what we could do now is. Um. Just Google the top 100 Christian songs and let's oh, go yeah. through one by one and say whether or not it's okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> Approved. Disapproved. <laughs> Actually, we don't even need to do that. Just assume that they're all disapproved and then maybe
1: we'll on a we'll give you basis. the we'll give you the the short list of what's yeah. acceptable.
0: Yeah. And now let us all sing. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what was the song that Grandma? Oh, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. <laughs> Okay, did you guys have anything else that that you wanted to discuss or things that you have thought about in regard to music um, that we didn't really touch on?
1: The only thing that I would add that would pertain more specifically to the Adventist Church is because it is such a controversial and divisive topic, um, I've put some thought into why that might be, and I don't think that I have it figured out, but... One of the things that I think definitely plays a part is the fact that it's practically not addressed at all in the Bible. Mm. Like, There's very little mention about (coughs) um, music in general and then even less about how it was used or why it should be used. Um, However, for Adventists one of our pioneers and somebody who is um held up as uh an authority within the adventist church and we're not going to go into <laughs> that <laughs> um but she has a lot to say or not a lot but she has things to say about music and even specific types of music and whether or not certain things are okay or not Yeah, it. Okay.
0: That could be another hour and a half long conversation.
1: Yeah, and so without without going into what she has to say specifically, I, I would just th- I think that's a big part of why it's so polarizing is because um, there are are large groups on both sides of the fence who, um, you know, would go all the way to one side as to um, follow to the death what. Auntie Ellen has to say and there are those people who dismiss her entirely and not to say that one side or the other is wrong or right but since you have that
0: but one is wrong or right
1: <laughs> but since you since you have that divide already and then bolstered by the fact that there isn't very much instruction in yeah I- yeah in scripture then of course people are going to you know continue to fall on each side of the fence that they're leaning on
0: so i mean like are we at a stalemate what is there anything that we could oh there's a so,
1: there's a solution um i have the answers <laughs> so if people just do what i <laughs> yeah, say no,
0: oh perfect good <laughs> the chief uh the chief music dictator of the
1: church. no i i mean <clears throat> I kind of do feel like we're at, we're at a stalemate, but I also do feel like I have the answer, and not that it's my answer, but I think that it is up to personal conviction, and I think um, if people truly had the love of Jesus and the Spirit of God, and were 100% true to their personal convictions, that would not determine what is okay and not okay universally, but it would remove the controversy.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone would agree that it's up to personal conviction, but your conviction may send you to hell. So
1: Yeah, but at least they have concerts in hell. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the it's a one giant mosh pit.
1: So, how how do you feel about secular
2: music being used in church?
0: Yeah, well, and that's in the whole the other thing that we didn't even touch on is like what's the role of secular music in the Christian life or whatever or in the church or or anything? Is there
2: Like, I hear the prayer all the time. It's like, that's from Quest from Camelot. (laughs) That's not a Christian song. And I think
0: that's just a matter of (laughs) ignorance, right? If they knew that that's what it was, they wouldn't use it. Because
2: nobody saw Quest (laughs) from Camelot.
0: Exactly.
2: (laughs) I mean, it has
1: has prayer in the name. It has to be godly.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What was it? I was at some program. What was the song they were using? I was laughing so hard. It was like... I can't remember what song it was, but it was like a really, really famous song from like a cartoon or something, and everybody was like.
2: Is that when I was? Was that one in Ukraine with you? Oh, that's right. It was... was. It was from. Was uh, Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> they were playing it, was, that it was just in some. <laughs> it was just some like jazz instrumental cover yeah. of it. And we
0: were sitting in the back, like, don't laugh, <laughs> don't laugh. That was the best ever. Ah, ignorance is bliss um but yeah uh, that's a good question about because a lot a, a huge attitude at least in my experience in the more conservative side of the church is like just secular music as a thing is something that you should you're probably better to not dabble in it at all <laughs> um but i don't know that's where all the interesting stuff is happening As we've already talked about, (laughs) there's nothing interesting happening in Christian music. I mean, do you have a I mean you went through a K pop phase, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I listened to K pop exclusively for three years until I figured it out and now I'm bored with it. (laughs) But yeah, there there's definitely a draw away from Christian music to find something that is interesting or challenging. Um and i i may understand a little bit of korean but certainly not enough to know what a whole song is saying um so it definitely the the main attraction for me was the music and the theory because it was different and interesting um and and at this point i've basically had to turn to um creating my own interesting christian music whether that be on a simple level of just (laughs) playing hymns with you know interesting jazz chords or changing the Mm. melody or it might even be writing my own songs completely but yeah there's not a whole lot of interesting things happening in the christian music industry as a whole there are artists making christian songs but they're not christian artists
0: so now you're like digging into Celtic music, or what's your, <laughs> what's your next spice?
1: Um, right now it's German African fusion.
0: <laughs> I, you asked the question. Did you have anything to say about it? Um, I
2: mean, like,
0: is it okay to play "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" as the elders walk down the middle <laughs> of the thing and give
2: opening? Well, I mean, cool. I have, here's here's. I guess I have a couple of different thoughts. You know, one of the reasons that I feel like we've talked a lot about like how boring Christian music is and stuff. I think part of our experience is unique in that we're musicians and have been for a long time. So um, we're looking for something kind of intellectually, musically stimulating uh, to be interesting. So I think our perspective on, whether or not we listen to Christian music or not might be different from the average church goer. Right. Um, and I'm actually,
1: I'm actually glad you brought that up just because I don't want people to think that when we say mu- Christian music is boring, I, we're not like hating on it and <laughs> saying that it's terrible, we're just saying it's not intellectually stimulating to a, a highly trained musician. And so, I mean,
2: there are still things that are done really well, you know, and they're, very simple but they're executed you know with high level of excellence um it just you know it's not not necessarily something that's interesting to me um as far as whether it's right or wrong to do something in church i think i think a lot of it has to do with um you know what the intent is if you're if you're a part of a really conservative small church and you have this really rockin contemporary songs going to ruffle a bunch of feathers you know maybe it's maybe the relationships that you have with people in churches is is worth more than trying to make them experience something that they're not going to get a lot out of Mm -hmm. um for me it's sort of it's sort of like i don't listen to most pop music you know anything that's on the radio um a lot of it is because um, not, I mean, not only am I not interested in it from a musical standpoint, but I'm not really interested in it from a cultural standpoint. There's a lot of values in music today that I don't really agree with. And it's not that I feel like, you know, oh, it's bad music to listen to, or that's, you know, because it's not good morals or that sort of thing. You just shouldn't listen to it. I mean, I ha- there's some element of that happening, but it's just, it isn't that attractive
1: to me. Yeah. Why would um, you have a conversation with somebody about something that you have no interest in? Exactly.
2: But so I don't, what are we doing but here? I don't have the, you know, I don't have the, the uh, motivation to like go and preach that to people and say like, clearly none of this is good for you. So yeah. you need to just stop listening to it. Cause okay, you know, cause I do that. <laughs> and, and for me, it's sort of like, you know, Paul talks a lot about, you know, there's stuff that I do that I feel like because I'm more mature and I understand why people did that in the first place and why people are doing it now that I feel like I can ignore or I can go and do something. I don't have a conscience issue with that but I'm not going to go and do that kind of stuff in front of somebody that's going to have a a moral crisis over it, you know? And so I think it's similar in the sense that like, if you are deciding like what's appropriate for church, um, you know, if you're going to get up and sing a special music or if you're leading worship in your church, um, if you're trying to figure out like what's appropriate, You know, think about the people that you're trying to serve and, you know, what you might enjoy um, might not be what that congregation needs. And at the same time, um, you know, you also have to be be aware enough of what that, you know, what that conversation looks like.
0: So then we all just have to make our own sects. And have our own kinds of music in the in Congregate amongst people.
2: Maybe better. I mean, if that if music is a big enough deal for you to not get anything out of church, if unless you're doing you know the kind of well, music you like, I mean that's why a lot of a lot of places you know will start their own little church because yeah. they don't care for the oh this style doesn't doesn't work for me.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, like. Music isn't my struggle, but I do have a really hard time um, if I'm not getting anything out of the message and, and what's said in church. So if you're not getting anything there, and additionally, you're not getting <laughs> anything out of the music, like at that point, well, why are you there?
2: Well, I mean, that's that's yeah. a big question that I, I struggle with. Like, I've been involved in church since I was pretty, pretty young probably 10 or 12 and I've always been more involved in church than have consumed church and I I don't know whether it's because I've found more fulfillment in being involved that I'm bored with church or if I'm just bored in church because it's boring I don't like I don't who it doesn't really matter the the point is like for the vast majority of my life and i mean i'm involved with a church right now that i really like in terms of like all the values line up with what they say and do and i still don't enjoy sitting in church i don't get a lot out of that yeah. i don't get a lot out of like listening to the band problem. play and singing along with the worship and listening to the message and stuff like yeah. it's just not stimulating enough for me to like if if I didn't have a family or, you know, if it was just me and I was like, do I would I rather go to church or stay home? I'd rather stay home. I It's not that it's not that I'm looking for something. To entertain me, I would just rather be doing something and, you know, helping contribute to the to the larger whole than passively sitting and, you know, consuming a, a church service.
1: That just isn't that fulfilling to me. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what you were saying, Emily, about if you're not getting anything out of it, then why are you there? And I think that that is the question, is why are you there? Is it just solely to get something out of church or, like Aaron said, to be more involved or, um, you know, um, and this is where we transition from talking about music to deep theological discussion. Oh, good. So part two that, that. Yeah. So that concludes part one. This is part two of 15. <laughs> and <laughs> um, no, but I just very quickly, I, I was going to say that. Yeah, I think um, your attitude toward music will ultimately be colored by your purpose and motivation for going to church. And I think that that is a problem that a lot of people experience is their reason for going to church. Um, If you study the Bible and look at the way that a relationship with God works, it's a very personal and individual thing, and many churches are simply consumed and there's no connection or personal aspect to it. If you're just going and listening to music being sung and listening to a sermon being talked to you and then you go home, I can 100% understand why people would not get very much out of that.
0: And so then what are you supposed to get out
1: of it? Uh, well, there's, I mean, the—that that is part of the church experience, but that shouldn't be all of it. Uh, part of the reason that we come together and commune with one another is to have the interaction and the discussion, to learn from each other, to hear different perspectives. Um, the is point church
2: supposed to be boring,
1: though? No, it's not. And and to me, most of the time it's not. Um, But that's because, well, it's partly because I go to like 10 different churches. Um, But but the other part is that I'm very involved on a personal level with a lot of different people. And so I if I yeah, if I went to church every week, um, even with other people, but simply sat through a service, it would be boring. So then but there's more what to you're it than that.
0: So what you're saying is you could just have a social group and not have church.
1: No. I'm saying that the, the most common denominators in a church service are parts of a puzzle that when all put together create a picture of a Christian experience. And if you only have a few people. Puzzle pieces. You don't see the whole yeah, picture. Yeah. Okay.
0: But what if the but what if the puzzle piece has is not part of the puzzle? <laughs> like, I mean, if it has no.
1: So you're saying so you're saying are is is a basic church service a necessary puzzle right. piece? Right. Yeah. Yes, but not everyone has access to a quality church service. Or a quality church experience, I should say. Because I I don't think that that there's always value in um, just going and attending church if there's not more to it than that. But. But um,
0: well, yeah, but that's what I I still don't understand. Is w- what is the more to it from what I understood out of your explanation was the social aspect which you could have outside of church so what is the more to it that we're supposed to be experiencing in church that is missing
1: well for instance um the the aspect of sabbath school which a lot of people skip out on because it happens earlier than church and um like i like to sleep in on the weekend and i don't always make it to sabbath school but uh there's i think you get a lot out of the discussion that happens during sabbath school setting um, particularly if it's broken up into smaller groups so that there's a lot more um, dialogue between individuals Um, i think that that's part of it I think that...
0: Well, generally speaking, I mean, I enjoy Sabbath school more than church because of the discussion aspect. But I would still posit that that's like a morning, Sabbath morning Bible study, you know, which is Mm -hmm. uh, part of the social experience. I mean, I'm talking about like the church service proper. What, What are we supposed to be... What is the church service proper supposed to be giving us that we're not receiving?
2: I don't think we need a church service. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's useful for some things. Um, it's it's a way to do kind of like mass education, like a lecture in a college, you know, room. So in that sense, it, it serves some utility. Uh, but as far as if there's something sacred about getting together for church, I mean I don't know I don't know that that's like anything other than a cultural thing that we've developed as a tradition over, you know, hundreds of years. Um I think I think it's important to have a faith community and to intentionally be engaged in that. But I I don't know, I think a large part of my satisfaction personally and I'm not necessarily speaking for other people of our generation but I think because it doesn't have as much purpose behind it as I want it to I don't feel like it's necessary certainly not in its current form and now if you take it away and don't replace it with anything I think that's a mistake but until we kind of know what that other whatever whatever the evolution from it is uh it would be dumb to kind of take it away because there are a lot of people who do benefit from it but i think it's i think it's largely traditional
0: uh what about this this is just a thought that i had that i'm throwing out what about the purpose of so for us we've grown up uh in the church you could say for our entire lives and regularly attending basically all our lives um and it doesn't have a lot of meaning at least for me at this point but what about as a like a corporate demonstration of what we're about for people who want to come and find out um without the added pressure that comes a lot of times with like a small group setting where you actually have to engage a way to to um I mean, because I feel like that's what the actual church service is. It's observing us (laughs) talking about uh, what we believe. So maybe that has value uh, as a way to, like, you know, show that. I don't know.
2: I don't know. I I feel like it's just it's basically uh, become a more ornate version of a small group. I mean, so there's, let's... there's no reason you couldn't invite some because, because th- I mean, whether you invite somebody to church or they come by themselves, you know, or you invite them to a small group, like it's going to be dependent on the relationship yeah, to have, you know, yeah. it, whether it's the relationship of, I'm curious to see what they're doing in there or somebody that I personally know invited me. So I'm going because I have that yeah. pre existing relationship. I don't, I don't know that it. Well like, like
0: like for example uh we went to Joel Osteen's church in Houston, and that's a gigantic church and and they have greeters that are very well trained in the customer service aspect of making people feel welcome, but you know, it wasn't a very engaging interpersonally engaging experience um but i it was interesting in the sense that you could just sort of go and observe as a fly on the wall almost um I don't know, uh, maybe it's not <laughs> not a useful point. It was just a thought that I had. I mean, do you have other other thoughts on why? W- I mean, I think Aaron and I sort of t- differ from you in our, <laughs> our opinion of the church service.
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that I feel like I get a lot out of a church service. Um, as a general rule, even if it's, one that's not super interesting, but um, I think I think there is necessity to it, and yeah, as far as the general structure, because there is a very uniform structure within Protestant Christianity about how it, how they go about building a church service. I feel like that is very traditional and maybe not necessary. However. I still feel like there's a lot of benefit even to a substandard so to speak church service um even just from the like just to to take a couple examples um we could say one spiritual and one you know just daily life example but um the sabbath is part of part of the purpose and the blessing of the sabbath is that it's been set apart from the rest of the week and that it's different from the rest of the days. Um, Just like you know, if you work from home, many people, like most people who work from home, or if you're a student and you study, you have to have a separate place where you do work um, just to to be able to be productive. You have to have that environment. And I think um, that's another one of the benefits of church, at least for me, um, you know, as someone who, yeah, I get something out of out of going to church regardless, but I I, I kind of like having that um, special and separate environment to spend some time with God on a weekly basis rather than I could stay home and invite a couple of friends over and have a, a Bible discussion and then listen to a sermon on Audioverse or on TV. And have basically the same experience—not not experience, but the same things elements, happen, components, yeah—the yeah, same elements. But it it wouldn't be the same to me, and yeah. I I feel like I wouldn't I would miss some things.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I could see that. I, I I can see that as a as a good reason. I just, for me personally, I don't know that it outweighs the agony of a lot of what church service tends to be.
1: <laughs> and I guess that's part of why it's hard for me to understand your guys' perspective because I don't experience a lot of the same agony that you guys do. Well,
2: Well, maybe we're just jacked up. (laughs) We feel like we're too good to sit in church.
0: (laughs) Well, no, for me, I think I am a little bit traumatized from my experience in the really fundamentalist part of the church and and the attitude of... well, if you're not g- getting anything uh, intellectually invigorating from church, that's your problem. Because your job isn't to come to church and get something; it's to come and fulfill your duty um, as a, you know, as part of the rules that God has set up for us. And so, mm-hmm. as a really rebellious person, I've always had a visceral reaction to that, and maybe it's some vestiges of that. But um, I I think still it is really difficult for me to find to listen to many of our <laughs> theologians and pastors without um getting extremely bored
1: <laughs> and there are a lot of boring people out there. Yeah. Which is a shame because usually the things that they're preaching on are not boring but they make them boring.
0: Right, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well thank you guys for being here. Um if you have any questions, comments, uh input Send me an email at abanismillennial at gmail.com. Join our Slack space where we can have these continuing rabbit trail discussions online where we're most comfortable as millennials. Uh, Send me an email if you want the link. And message me on Facebook or Instagram at SDA Millennial. And have a good week.